It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe Calling. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to Europe Calling, this time with Terry and Vince. And our date is the 24th of August, 2023. And our weather in Spain, as you'd expect me to tell you, stinking hot. Okay, I'm travelling sensibly uh, in the car, round about um, an hour maximum from from here to the west, and I should find Terry. So, Terry, first of all, how are you? Uh, You were a bit under the weather last week. And uh, what's your weather like? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm about uh, about 90% good now. So uh, it's the heat. Uh, gets me down this time of year. I mean, I've only been here 48 years. I think I'll get used to it. <laughs> but it's uh, no, it is literally. I've noticed the last four or five years that heat doesn't uh, doesn't do me a lot of favours. I keep promising myself to get away every every summer. Every summer I say next summer I'll get away, and it never happens. I'm too busy. <laughs> so. Uh, Self of a blimp, probably, unfortunately. Well, so, it's, yeah, it's very hot. Um, we've got apparently this weekend it should start to cool down a little bit, so I'm looking forward to that. If it always rains on the Tuesday after Bank Holiday Monday in the UK. Wow. So, next Tuesday it will rain, that's for sure. Okay, I'll keep an, my eye on that. Uh, I must mm. admit, um, like you, I do find the hot weather increasingly difficult to endure um, we just live differently now we stay in most of the day obviously if we didn't have the uh, air conditioning i don't know how much uh, that would affect the decision whether to go out or not but yesterday we did go down to denia to walk on the seafront it was quite cool it was you know if you could stay within the shade it was not a bad walk um, yeah. but the minute we got back up here it was absolutely roasting it was really hot yeah well, you get a bit of a breeze from the from the sea. It's always quite nice to, to get, especially for an evening. Uh, it picks up a breeze on off the shore, and it's always quite nice to have a little stroll in the twilight. But uh, yeah, as you as you move back to where your home is, the humidity kicks in. Yeah. Okay, we'll start with um, a little look back to last weekend, and here we go. A bit of music. As we cast our mind back to the World Cup ladies final, uh, Spain now the world champions. But the uh, president of the Spanish Football Association, uh, strange activity. I don't know if you're watching it. Uh, as the yeah. uh, ladies filed towards uh, him, uh, past, uh, I think they go past the Queen, or went past the Queen first. Um, and then um, he grabbed one of the players uh, around the face, brought her towards him and gave her a smacker on the lips which I think a lot of people in Spain are now not very happy with. And certainly when I was talking about it on the football podcast earlier today, um, Bizarre would only scrape the surface. Totally and utterly inappropriate behaviour for a a minister uh, in the respect of the, when I say maybe not a minister, but, you know, the um, the, the man that looks after the football association. Yeah, the Spanish FA equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what did you think of it? Yeah, it, well, initially you think 
yeah, okay. Um, but then when you when you analyse it, you know, you think, would you have done that? Well, only if you were very, very, very familiar with the lady concerned. Um, that's for sure. I mean, she had no choice. She was, but by the by the, the uh, if lent towards her and kissed her, it's one thing. But by grabbing her both sides of the head and dragging her towards it, uh, gives out the wrong message completely. And in reality, uh, obviously, no, he should never have done that. Um, but I think in reality, it shows an underlying uh, side of the guy. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Anyway, he's he's been disciplined by FIFA now, so he's out of, he'll be out of a job. Well, what I rather found um, interesting is the fact that the left of centre parties were quick to jump on this, but I haven't actually seen anything uh, from the PP or Vox or anybody on the right of um, you know the this line that we uh, imagine for politicians. I would have thought that it needs both sides to actually come together on this one. No, like everything else in politics, the first one that jumps on the bandwagon wins the day. Mm. So Pedro Sanchez immediately left on top of this one. You know, any any sort of uh, publicity that can be grabbed uh, is, is is a vote catcher, and there's no point coming second in this race. So other parties, you know, obviously won't bother. He, he's got in there first, and uh, <sighs> such is politics, I'm afraid. Okay, we'll move away from that one because uh, we have discussed it on the football podcast. And in the meantime, we'll move to uh, to this one. Okay, so reading in the paper, uh, obviously looking at articles that will either be spoken about maybe in a way we don't think is right or not even getting the publicity. But this one, I'm pretty sure, will trans women will benefit from the UK's first groundbreaking womb transplant surgery. Uh, but face a wait of up to two decades until they are eligible. Surgeons today revealed that they had successfully implanted a womb in an unidentified 34-year-old woman who was based in England and was born without one. The organ was donated by her sister, who already has children, in the hopes that the recipient can start her own family. Medics are now optimistic uh, that she can successfully undergo IVF this year, giving hope to thousands of sterile women. Now, it did really get my goat, and this is the reason why I wanted to discuss this one, is that the first place, uh, the first port of, of call here was trans women. You know, um, I would have thought uh, after all the years that women that have had problems um, conceiving, I would have thought they would be the absolute priority without any shadow of doubt and that uh, way down the pecking order because of the amount of money that the health service is apparently in need of uh, would come any trans women who just want to um, do whatever it is that uh, they feel they need to fulfill, fulfill their lives. Um, Terry, uh, not really a pleasant subject for me because, quite frankly, I feel so strongly about it. How do you feel about this one? Well, I've heard about that. Um, but a trans woman, a bloke who wants to be a woman, decides that he, he wants to have a womb implanted. Well, I just hope they make him give birth. 
that's all that's all I can say on that one. Um, on the face of it, I presume there's nothing wrong with it. If I have a heart transplant or a lung transplant, kidney, liver, does it matter which sex it's come from? Um, but we're talking about an organ that's specifically designed for women to give birth, placed into a bloke. I don't know. I don't, well, they 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 fashion penises on, onto women to, to turn them into blokes. So why can't you do the opposite? I, yeah, it's yeah, you took me by surprise on that one. Um, mm. But um, as much as I would hate, I would like to poo-poo it. Pardon the pun. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. I, I feel I have to support it if that's the case. What about um, the Lib Dems? Apparently, coming up in their um, annual bash in their uh, conference, they're going to uh, support the idea that trans women can suffer menstruation problems. Now, I, I find that thoroughly bizarre. Well, menstruation problems come with a womb. So, presumably, <laughs> if you haven't got a womb. You haven't got menstruation problems, unless they're referring to psychological problems that trans women may or may not get psychological problems. So, uh, well, um, well, there is no problem, it, it, really, is there? I mean, let's be honest about it. If you were born and you're not a woman, because that's the way that um, you know that those are the cards that nature has dealt you, then basically, why would the Lib Dems want to spend time? and efforts trying to support something that trans women uh, can suffer for, from menstruation problems when they don't menstruate. I mean, that doesn't really make any sense to me. They need every vote they can get, Vince. And this is this is a pond they consider is quite deep until they realise it's 0.03% or something. 0.03% of the population for the Lib Dems probably trebles their, their, uh, their support at the minute. So, of course, they're going to go fishing in that pond. OK. Um, OK, well, I won't dwell on it because, uh, again, I've stated how I feel. Um, I just feel that um, with all the... I mean, you switched on the news today and it's the surgeons who basically are all bleating about the fact that they only get about £120,000 a week um, for the work that month. they do. That's a month. Is it a month, was it? Mm. I, I beg your pardon, sorry. I'm getting I'm getting uh, mixed up with footballers wages, aren't I? By the sound of things, uh, no, that's a cheap footballer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, to, to be honest with you, I was a bit naughty there because I wanted that that sort of a reaction because we're talking, um, you know, ordinary people doing ordinary jobs, twenty thousand here in Spain, twenty thousand. I mean, most people would be quite pleased with that. Um, you've got your surgeons in the UK, OK, um, £120,000 a month. Is that really, is that is that a bad wage, do you think? Of course not. Um, but um, the amount of training and experience they have to have to, to get to that level and the fact that they've got your life in their hands, um, buy them as much as you want. That, well, you mentioned footballers, so you, you can't even discuss that. You mentioned footballers now, can you? No. Um, but no, certainly, give, give them as much as they want. Um, it's, you exist or don't exist by how well they can um, operate on you. So uh, I wouldn't be cutting corners on that one, I'm afraid. OK. Um, what sort of a figure, if you've got maybe a, just as a guide, if you've got the average sort of 
Premier League footballer on, say, 100,000 a week. We'll say that could be an average, um, going up to a million and a half for the likes of Haaland playing for Man City. Um, where would you where would you put the value if we don't pay it? Just to sort of to see where you're thinking the the surgeon would be worth vis a vis somebody like those figures. Well, it's always a difficult one, isn't it? Because, for instance, Vince, if your vins, that, vins don't get emptied at the end of your street for, for two months, you are going to be in a hell of a mess. So you will decide to pay those, uh, the, the bin cleaners, the dustbin men, uh, a lot of money to get back to work and clear them bins and, and so you, you've got a decent lifestyle again. Um, ditto a plumber. It's Friday night and your, your sewage your sewage is spewing out all over the floor. You will pay that plumber. and, and that, There's no end to what you want to pay him to, to get in there. Uh, it, it, it's all out of necessity and at the time. Um, the sad thing is you bring in footballers and that they're completely and utterly overpaid uh, for what they do. Um, it is ridiculous. And when you consider every penny of their wages comes out of yours and mine pocket and everybody else is listening to this programme. Uh, through, through bulk of it through advertising, i.e. There's, there's, there's a few cents on every product that you buy that goes into that footballer's pocket. It doesn't come from the club. Uh, you know, People say, oh, we want this. Our club should buy that player for £150 million. That's what we need. We need to get him. Um, it's, it's wrong. It, it, it's, I don't know how you can stop it. You can't stop it. Mm. You, can try, you can put a, a limit on wages, but you can't put a limit on how much they get from, from advertising sponsorship yeah um it's it's you're not going to stop it so it's it's the law of supply and demand as long as people us are willing to pay the extra on all our products it will happen what i would like to see is on the on the supermarket shelf alongside the price is how much is going to what footballer for this uh, this particular product each packet you buy there's x amount going to this footballer or whatever uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea or at least a website that we could access that's probably the easiest way where we can find out what products are we're, we're paying for and how much we're paying for them and how much of that is actually going to a footballer uh, or, 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 ever, or ever other person, superstar, singer, whatever. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to know what people will pay um, to have their products uh, sponsored and, and pushed out into the world. I mean, Ronaldo, God almighty. It's, it's not his wages as a footballer. It's just what he gets off the ball um, that he, the, he makes money on. And it's massive amounts of money yeah. that comes out of your mind and everybody else listening's pocket. It doesn't come out of the club. It comes out of our pockets. And stupidly, we're prepared to pay that. Multiply that by the number of footballers, professional footballers in the world with access to the, these markets, plus other people who can uh, um, sponsor certain products and uh, etc. You know, you see a, a TV star or a film star on TV promoting a product. They're actors, and they're acting to pretend they promote this product. They probably don't even like whatever they're promoting, but they'll promote it. Why? They're being paid for it. I'm going to go, and me. I'm gonna and go it, back. It's, it's all straightening out a little bit, but how are you going to do it? I've no idea. Yeah. I'm going to go back to something that you uh, was were talking about a second or two ago, which is basically, um, you, you know, uh, about, well, if I look, 
look uh, at the football that we were discussing and look at the fact that the uh, the Royals from Spain went to Australia to support the team. Um, Prince William didn't go because he said of the carbon footprint. And a minute or two ago, we were talking about uh, having the bins emptied. And I thought this business of the carbon footprint becomes more and more interesting. The more that you think about things. In the past, we used to have one lorry and about eight men would come along and they'd carry the stuff and do what they have to do. Now we've got about four lorries that come, four times the amount of lorry uh, and emissions that come. And for the rubbish, yeah? For the rubbish. And uh, yeah. obviously we don't have the men. We just have one guy gets out and, um, you know, organises his... his um, his crane and it's uh, done in about five minutes and off he goes. So, uh, I mean, it's just the hypocrisy and all the silliness all the time. When you think you've got one little part of the jigsaw puzzle, you see straight away, you know, we we get more trucks now, giving us more pollution. Strange, isn't it? This, this, the whole, I mean, we're massive recyclers. Um, I wouldn't pay if it wasn't for my wife and so uh, but I must admit, I'm amazed at how much of our waste gets recycled. I'm saying, I'll, I'll hazard a guess that um, probably three quarters of our waste gets recycled um, by us into the, into the diverse bins that are available. Whether they get mixed all together at another depot, I don't know. But at least we're making the effort to do it. Uh, and in doing so, the, the surprise for me is the um, the amount that can be recycled, put it that way. Um, and I think we have to do that. We need to make sure that stuff whirls around instead of keep digging it out of, uh, out of the ground and out of the oceans uh, to, to, to provide um, basic materials. We need to be recycling everything as much as we can uh, and stop putting it back into the seas and dumping it into... Um, but you're just destroying the, the, the oceans and coral reefs all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, it takes four lorries instead of one. Fair mm. enough. Um, like you say, now it's one, one lorry, one bloke. So I suppose in the end, uh, you know, it's, it's still gonna, that lorry's still going to get filled with rubbish at the end of the day. Whatever we have four lorries or one, if you have four lorries, they're going to cover a bigger area. So um, it, it's, uh, I think it all balances out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in favour of, uh, of, of recycling, and if it means more lorries, fair dues. Okay, here's the next Unless one. It'll be electric, of course, don't forget. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we're, we're talking about a place uh, here called Castaya. And uh, screaming spectators tried to, to distract the enraged bull, but the animal continued to charge at the teenager lying helplessly on the ground. Locals looked to help the man, but they quickly flinched back as the bull looked towards them again, and the man is knocked back to the ground by the bull as he's flung from one side of the street to another. The runner only escaped when he was hurled towards a door and managed to stagger behind the security grill. The terrifying footage was recorded at the five-day Fiestas de Vaca or Baca, um, or cow festivities in honour of San Roque from August the 12th. Local media first reported the incident on August the 
16th uh, and the uh, the man as it said earlier becomes a teen again and he was in a stable condition when he was rushed to hospital where he's being treated for four horn gashes and multiple bruises a couple of things there um, I noticed the uh, UK press are full of that today um, which uh, I spotted about a week ago in actual fact um, so I was interested to see that the is it the opportunity to knock Spain again and have a little go at people coming across to Spain? Is that maybe something behind it? The other thing that is interesting to me is how the um, the terminology teenager becomes a man and it, it intersperses in this article between one day or one part of the article, it's a teen lying helplessly and then people come to help the man. Um, it's this relationship between when we talk about somebody that's done something or is involved in an incident, when it becomes a man or a teenager or a child or a boy, what are we trying to do? Um, I, I really can't understand this culture, and I know we've spoken about it before, but um, let's go to when does a, a, a teenager become a man for you? Me, 16. Yeah, 16. I feel the same. Uh, you can go and get married. You can go and fight in the army, I presume, etc., etc. Um, yeah, 16. I mean, every kid's desperate to grow up and doesn't doesn't want to be called a, a, a boy. They uh, like to be called a man. Um, uh, and yeah, 16. You should be responsible for your actions at 16. Okay. Um, you, you're virtually fully grown. Uh, and I think, yeah, it should be 16. shouldn't be any different. But regarding with the bullfights, I mean, it, obviously it's cheap journalism. It's reported a week later in the UK press. It's cheap journalism to pull something off of the Yeah. The journalists just sit there in front of the screen pulling it. They don't go out with, you know, you don't see a journalist going out with, the, with, with his Panama hat with the, the words, the card with the words scoop written tucked into the headband. No. Uh, journalism doesn't happen anymore. They just, they just sit on the backside having a cup of coffee, smoking a fag trolling through the internet, seeing what they can steal and claim as their own. Yeah. And what they don't. If it's a quiet news day, then they're dead easy, pal. It's a quiet news day. Just make something up. And always deny it next week in paragraph four. Well, we, we say all the time on these podcasts, we're looking at things that are in the news and trying to understand a little bit more about how they're reported, maybe even why they're reported at times. But uh, one thing the last time we talked about this is the fact that this was supposed to have been banned. Um, the uh, bullfighting as a general concept was supposed to have been under constant attack seems to be as strong as ever in the towns around where we're living. And, yeah. uh, you know, it would appear that all the furore that uh, we have regarding stopping these type of things, I don't think it, I don't think anybody's doing anything about it, if I'm honest. Nor should they. They're, they're, they're traditions that have gone on for years, and, and long may they do so. You know, one thing that really struck home to me living in Spain and being a member of, of, of a village, shall we say, uh, and what goes on, is the fact that they have a village. The fact that they have, uh, the village has a personality. Everybody knows each other. You know yourself, Vince, in this country, you pass somebody on the street, if, if you're reasonably close to them, you say buenos dias. Yeah. You, you, say, you say good morning to them. Uh, if somebody did that in England, you, in, in the little box of streets, says good morning, you say, well, what's he after? 
Um, but their traditions, is, that's what's amazed me, is when they have their fiestas, what does amaze me in their fiestas is that they'll have them for a week and they're absolutely pie-eyed, um, drunk out of their brains, half of them. They'll have such a wonderful time. There's very, very, very rarely ever any trouble. I have very rarely, I very rarely see any trouble regarding drink uh, in Spain and, and the fiestas. They police it themselves. Uh, they know when somebody's maybe having a bit too much and they're getting a bit leery and they'll drag him home and that at the end of that. But it's, it's generally speaking, it goes off with wonderful humour and wonderful collaboration in the Puebla. I just went to one uh, two weeks ago up in this little village I go to two and a half hours away yeah. in their fiestas. Uh, and it was wonderful. I mean, people from that village came back to the village who, who, don't, who no longer live there to pass the fiestas, which were on for two whole weeks, by the way. There was something happening every day for two weeks. Um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. Wonderful atmosphere, not a hint of trouble anywhere. Everyone enjoying themselves, everyone carrying out the time under traditions that have been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years. What's happened in England? Well, I left England in 1974, and I remember the, I had an apartment above another, a duplex, well, not a duplex, I had a masonette, I had an apartment above another apartment, and the old boy who lived below, I couldn't tell you his name, never saw him, didn't know any of my neighbours. If I did see him, everyone sort of looked the other way and nobody, nobody asks how you are or says good morning or anything. And nobody knows anything. You get on the bus, everyone's stumped. Everyone goes to work, gets back on the bus after work, goes home, goes into their, through their door and locks the door and has the tea and watches Crossroads as it was in them days. Yeah. But it's, 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 there was no Pueblo. That was the amazing thing that I found in this country is the, the word Pueblo means not just a village. It means the Pueblo is the village life the village strength and the traditions it holds. Yes, some of those traditions seem a little bit barbaric to us, and they will slowly get modified, cooled down a bit, maybe dropped altogether, uh, the, the, the bad ones. But generally speaking, they must never start telling villagers what to do with their fiestas. Leave them alone. They'll, they'll sort themselves out. Well, I went up the road to watch the Moors and the Christians uh, marching in the village last week, and I have to say, it was wonderful. And, you know, you don't get this loud mouth uh, sort of abuse, whether you... Uh, no. Nothing like that going through the village. No, if, if someone tried that, well, they wouldn't, because they know they'd be ostracised from the village. Yeah. They would be, their name would be blanked for the whole, of, the whole of the year. It's just something you don't know. The village is split up into Peña. So Peñas are the social groups. Um, the, group, the, the village splits up into Peñas, which are the social groups, which make up the whole of the village. It's almost like football teams, if you like. Oh, yeah, they do have football teams as well. But you, you join a, a Peña, which is a group, a group of people in the village, and your mates have maybe joined another Peña, and your brother might join another Peña, and you all go to each other's Peñas and visit each other's Peña. Uh, you don't spend a penny. Your you, you, you drink and your food is, is given to you. You haven't got enough hands to hold drink and food that's palmed up on you. It's amazing. They just, they just can't help but give to you and give, give, give. But they do pay in, Terry. In the UK, it's gone. It's completely gone. Terry, they do got, pay in, got, though. Not in Ill, I was going to say, the Nottingham Riots. You've got the Nottingham uh, Carnival. Uh, yeah, Carnival coming up. And sadly, there's, there's elements uh, get into that that destroy it even though everyone's really fighting desperately hard, not fighting is maybe a wrong word, fighting desperately hard to, to keep it calm, smooth, happy, fun-loving occasion there it is. But the fact a couple may start dancing with one of the, one of the party-goers is slammed and, and, and dragged and through the press and everything else. What are our police doing? It, it's awful. You cannot win. 
which brings in a big circle back to when you, you said about Prince William not going to uh, to, to the Australia to the football final. Yeah, I'll say he didn't do that. He should do. He's head of the FA. He should have done. Uh, and to use the carbon footprint is a ridiculous thing to say because that plane flies with or without him. Um, so, um, you know, unless he's going on his own special plane, which, of course, he's probably entitled to. It, it, um, incidentally, uh, before I lose the point, the um, processions that they have here, um, it's quite a lot of money if you want to actually march as one of the uh, Moors or the Christians uh, in the oh, costumes. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a lot of money. Just to join a penny, you've, you've got to punch in a fair, a fair amount because you have to pay for, A, you have a, a room or a building where you meet, the, all the food and drink for, for, the, for the duration of the fiesta has to be bought and purchased. C, you might have to employ somebody to clean the place and serve drinks or whatever. Uh, that's all got to be paid for, and they chuck it in. They chuck into it. They, they'll meet, you know, they'll, they'll either pay it as a one-off or they'll, they'll pay it on a, on a monthly basis. They'll meet at other times of the year as well, Spaniards, just uh, to, on the social, to get together social and to plan for the fiesta, the upcoming fiestas. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think the nicest thing I could think you could probably do in this country, which nobody's ever thought of in tourism, is to actually spend your, 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 your tourist time going from one fiesta to another, going from one village to another. Yeah. The brass bands, Vince, the, the towns are full of brass bands mm. from all over that area. Brass bands come, and day and night they're playing lovely music. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful occasion, something that we do not have in the UK. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Well, it's we used to. I've no doubt we did have it. We did. Te- it's we gone, did. Tell it's you. been destroyed. Yeah, we did. We did have it, and it's so annoying. Um, I've got an aspect of this now, which I want to show you, which I've um, found in the paper this okay. week. Uh, let me just get the article. So, um, the article reads, is it a move towards protecting human dignity or is it an act of censorship? And it's the Junta de Andalucía, so the authorities in Andalucía, uh, refused permission for a bullfighting comedy show featuring individuals with achondroplasia, the dwarfism. Um, The Andalusian government had denied the authorization for the bullfighting comedy show Torrio, Comico, uh, planned for August the 20th in the bullring of the Cortes de la Frontera. This is down in Malaga and it's reported in OK Diario. So let's just find out a little bit more about what this is about. Uh, The decision refers to the recently incorporated general laws on the rights of persons with disabilities and their social inclusion, stating that with the shows or recreational activities in which people with disabilities or this circumstance are used to provoke mockery, derision uh, or derision of the public in a way contrary to the respect due to human dignity are prohibited. Then it went on a bit further in the article. The foundation noted in a statement that with this decision, there are already two regional governments that apply the new additional provision. So um, uh, Extremadura is the other area with um, uh, the same sort of an act in Fuentes de Leon, Badajoz. So uh, you can see certain aspects of this in one way and then you could completely say, well, you know, these are people uh, with disabilities who are being given the chance to do something. Uh, So you could counter. Yeah, obviously we're talking about the use of dwarfs. 
Yeah. Um, I think there's one in Bainbridge that goes around being thrown around all over the place um, for uh, for stag nights and hen parties and the rest of it. Um, but <laughs> bless the cotton socks if they're prepared to do it, let them do it. They're not being made to do it. Um, I don't agree with it. Obviously not. But um, if they want to do it, let them do it. I don't think they're being forced to do it. Um, and yeah, they're going to be yeah, they're going to be mocked. They're going to be laughed at. That's the whole idea, you know. Um, but what do clowns do? Clowns dress, go to a circus and dress up to be mocked and laughed at. I mean, the classic, the classic clown has always got a tear in his eye, and um, it, it's 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 a tradition, I presume. No, I can't say it's a tradition, but I can only assume that because uh, there can't be that many dwarf people in the country. But if there are, I can only hope they're making good money out of it. I really do. Um, and I don't presume for one minute that they're being forced to do it. So um, good luck. Well, good luck it's, it's quite interesting because the Franz Weber Foundation is an animal protection promoter. And they are where they want this to sort of be denied. They'd previously sent letters to institution such as the Andalusian Ombudsman, the Prosecutor's Office of Marbella and the Ministry of Social Inclusion, also denouncing the support that the City Council of Cortes de la Frontera gave to this degrading spectacle. So... What are they really um, having a go at? Are they having a go at uh, the bulls being involved or uh, is it that they don't want the uh, the dwarf, if I, if I use the way that we all know the expression, uh, to be involved? Because um, I think that a lot of people, they... I don't know. They they quite like these little people, don't they? You know, it seems to be that it's an affinity rather than anything else. Yeah, but it's, uh, well, I can only assume Vince. I mean, the fact that you're using bulls, you look—it's it's dangerous. And, and the, the the more frivolity that goes on, there's there's a greater risk of injury. Yeah. So um, I don't know how if how or if any of them are actually insured um, against uh, havoc and and, um, and damage and, and injury and death that can be caused. Um, so just on that, I can only think on that basis where they can be against it. Um, Maybe it needs addressing. Maybe maybe someone needs to have a talk to these people as a group and say, "Are you happy that this is happening? Are you getting paid enough? Are you enjoying what you're doing?" If they are, let them be. Let them be happy. Yeah, yeah. I was caught in two minds over that one. So um, I'll move on and uh, let's see where we're going next. Uh, we'll go to uh, yeah. We'll go to- Okay, this one was a very interesting article, and it was about a health alert which was issued on the Canary Island of Tenerife, or Tenerife as the British will know it. And uh, it was the detection of giant African snails that can transmit meningitis, the network for the detection and intervention of invasive alien species in the Canary Islands, warned of the presence of giant African snails, and then there's uh, uh, the actual terminology. Um, Later on, it goes on to say, in a tweet, the Canarian government department wrote, first detective... 
detection in the Canary Islands of this dangerous invasive species. It can transmit a form of meningitis and attacks our main crops as well as many wild plants. If you see it, don't touch it and let us know right away. I found it was quite in- interesting to see that they start off by talking about uh, the um, meningitis because I'd never ever heard any connection between giant snails and uh, meningitis and then it goes on to talk about um, uh, invasive species which is having to go at the main crops so uh, had you heard of anything like this no no i haven't i just wonder how many thousands of years it took them to get across the island because they don't move that fast do they <laughs> but um no i haven't i mean it's quite it's quite possible it's quite feasible um not a great fan of snails i have eaten them on occasion but um not really for me i'm afraid so mm-hmm. i don't think i'll be risking meningitis by eating them but you know yourself as soon as you get a bit of rain out there there's the the, the 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 size of the road are full of people trying to gather the snails that are trying to get away from the damp ground mm-hmm. um climbing up uh, old plants and that so they're they're filling their uh their buckets with snails. i had a friend actually he was he had a he had a, a snail farm shall we say up in the, up in the hills in in Reus. and the um, yeah he, he he literally got the snails and he um, he was telling me that they they fed, he fed they didn't well they lived on flour for a while just just to purge their systems and then he would uh, he would cook them um, and, and, and and sell the snails to restaurants etc but no um, yeah, not for me yeah yeah it could happen I said well anything can uh, we can be infected by anything nowadays, so you've got to be really careful. Well, I know as you go up to the um, the the little town up at the mountain in Guadalest, and of course the uh, the the uh, reservoir. Uh, on the way up, there is a roof with a giant snail yeah. on it. Have you seen that yeah. one? Is you- that one of them? I was going, they on the mainland. They must be on the mainland. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I was always telling any visitors we had that we've got this outbreak of giant snails, <laughs> and I'd tell them at the bottom of the trip, you know, and then as we went further up, I'd wait and see if anybody spotted it, and yeah, and they did. For those that don't know, it's it's a bloke's house, and he's very cleverly built this huge snail on his roof, which must be fifteen foot or something across. <laughs> this huge fifteen foot snail on his roof. It looks very authentic, but uh, you have to think yourself, is it real? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. Uh, yeah, I like quirky things. Okay. Uh, we'll move on. And uh... we're staying in Tenerife. Okay, so fears have been raised on the island of Tenerife or Tenerife. Um, following statistics which show the level of seismic activity within the space of just one month. The National Geographic Institute has revealed that since June the 11th, over 150 earthquakes were recorded near Teide, the volcano in Tenerife, with a staggering 112 of them logged in just over 24 hours between July the 5th and July the 6th. Now, according to the Express, uh, the paper went on to talk about um, astonished researchers on the island discovered that basaltic magma has cooled underground, causing its chemical composition to change, which they say is resulting in a potentially explosive type of magma. 
Um, this, of course, uh, again, if you've not been to the islands, you, you actually see this uh, sort of black, sort of gritty, sandy stuff, uh, which isn't really what you'd call a nice beach. If you look down at, say, Cornwall and mm. make a comparison, you'll soon see that uh, it's not it's not as nice as a Cornish beach. Um, but uh, it is always going to be an area which, um, you know, people want to go and fly to Tenerife and uh, the other islands out in the group. Um, but it, it, it's always been something they've talked about um, with these um, earthquakes. And I think I'm right in saying they're on the same lines of latitude as uh, the desert in like Palm Springs in America. Uh, where no, they I, they feel tr they feel tremors there virtually every day of the week, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's the other side of the world, so uh, the tremors are normally the the, the earth, well the earthquake tremors follow certain lines of the uh, of the of the the structure of, of the earth, which is just like a like a tortoise's shell, really. Yeah, it's, that's not really straight lines. It's it, they're fractures. Though. It's constantly moving. And, and on one area, as it butts up against the other, it, it overlaps. They overlap, and one pushes the other one down, and that forms a, 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 a something goes bang and crack and releases the pressure, and that's your earthquake. And it could be just a tremor, or it could be something absolutely disastrous. Um, Mount Tady is, is a live volcano; it's an active volcano, and frankly, anybody who lives next to it needs a red looking into. I wonder. I, I bet they can't get insurance. Hmm. But um, it, it's um, it's always a, a worrying when you hear statistics like that. But the question then has to be: Well, what's a normal statistic? How many do you normally get uh, earthquakes? I mean, in where we're living, between uh, well, just south of you, have you down to Cartagena? There, there's there's uh, over uh, there's over one earthquake a day on this coast, right. which you very rarely notice. Occasionally. Uh, occasionally there was the one in York, Lorica, which is near Murcia, which is quite a bad one. We had one in Benidorm, 1981. Uh, Javier recently has had, uh, the last, well, must be about eight, nine, ten years ago, had a series of quite bad tremors, shall we call it. Um, uh, but it's literally, there's literally 350 a year. There's literally equivalent of one earthquake a day on the Costa Blanca. Um, but we live with it. It's, it's something we, we do. I have to build accordingly. I, the way I have to build a house has to be done a certain way to allow for that, to, to make it stronger for earthquake. Um, so it doesn't collapse. Obviously, a large earthquake is going to collapse anything. But uh, when you see the earthquakes that happened uh, recently in Syria and, 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 um, and Turkey, uh, the, the construction well, whoever I call themselves builders, I hope they're locked up in jail. They did say they were going to prosecute the builders because the buildings just turned to, turned to dust in seconds. There was nothing holding them up at all. Um, but it, it's, it, we, we, it's all, say, in other words, yeah, 100 a day um, as opposed to one a day where we are. That sounds quite extensive, especially when you're talking about 100 a day where, on the side of a live volcano where people live. That's not, I don't think that's too clever. Like everything else, people have been there for how many years since? since when was the last uh, a disastrous uh, well, the last... volcanic event on Mount Ida? Mm -hmm. Well, but it does happen. I think the the last major thing I can relate to is the airport crash when when it was um, 
uh, somebody watching the football rather than looking at the planes coming in. That that was yeah, a big one, wasn't that it? That was the most disastrous airport airline well airline crash in in, in history. Yeah. There's never been anything bigger than two lights jumbo jets hit each other on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, that was disgusting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe hundred a day is quite normal for Mount Sinai. Doesn't sound normal to me, but maybe it is, you know. Well, it is interesting because uh, just as we speak uh, in uh, Palm Springs, what crossed my mind was the fact that they had this terrible uh, water problem last week. Uh, the, I think it's the first time in their history uh, yeah. of, of records that they've had as much water in the town. And yet uh, it's quite deceptive because although you're in the desert, I remember when we were there, we we were often going to visit the canyons, which are just off the main street, and you'd go up the canyons, and, you know, the canyons bring the water down. So I shouldn't be that surprised. And I do remember when I used to run my programme on Under Thero here, um, I had um, Sir Burks used to phone me up once That's a week. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole idea was really to show the, the sort of problems that they had with the latitudes that they had uh, they live on live on which was so similar to our own and he told mm. me then about days when you'll hear this noise and then the next minute wow all this water suddenly comes down and up till very recently in fact uh, last week they'd never had it actually come down the main street like it did but you know things happen you don't know, they I, I, I had a chuckle when when he said about palm springs i thought about you straight away <laughs> Um, about the same they've had record rainfall, and I thought that must be a cupful, you know, because <laughs> it's just one of the driest places in Spain, isn't it? it, it so yeah, looking, I then went on the video and I saw that, yeah, there was quite a bit of, uh, of water damage uh, yeah. caused. It does strike me as interesting, I'll say no more, the places that seem to be getting a lot of these problems seem to be places where we have certain other problems which could be read into some prophecies in the Bible. I'm going to say no more than that because that's a whole <laughs> podcast. Snow, it's a whole podcast on <laughs> its own. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. Okay, so this is somebody writing about uh, Spanish people. What's wrong with us? I mean, why do we Spaniards applaud when the plane lands? doesn't make any sense. It's not like when you get off the bus and say thank you to the driver. I swear I haven't seen it in any other country, in any other nationality. Uh, this one is also mentioning other things that she, she uh, came as a surprise when they were talking about how Spaniards, unlike passengers of other nationalities, do not consume food or drink during the entire flight of a an aeroplane a uh, bit of a generalization but um but, uh, food for thought um she also claims they have a habit of complaining about everything and talking loudly she concluded her observations of course this is neither better nor worse than any other countries it is simply that we spaniards do and i have learned although logically I already knew it because I have already done it myself. Uh, so this young lady has uh, talking about this business of clapping the pilot when the plane lands. Yeah, I've always, I've always made me laugh. Because um, you know when there's a lot of Spanish on your flight because they will clap when you land. And I've always thought, well, you know, I'm on right there and they're clapping. 
But it, I'm, I'm always thought that, well, the, the Spanish airlines must be that bad. <laughs> they must have that many crashes. But to actually actually land safely, that they're applauding. So I was mentally saying to myself, we'll never get on a Spanish plane, pal. Stay with, stay with the Irish. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see what I've got for you. Um, okay, here we go. So, again, uh, in the Spanish papers, BlackRock, Vanguard and Norge Bank are now the new owners of Spanish banks. In the last few years, the three funds have acquired privileged packages of shares in listed entities worth uh, €17,505 billion, Euros, representing 12.3% of the combined com- uh, capitalization of the banking sector. The holdings of individual entrepreneurs have been diluted and funds and other investment schemes have taken over the main share of, Brit- of Spanish banks. However, one must keep in mind that the shares held by these entities have been gained through the investment funds. Um, now, is this making any sense to something that you've thought about or seen? No, only in a, only in a, no, only in a general, only in a general point of view that the smaller banks are getting wiped out bit by. They're getting absorbed. I've been for years. Uh, the, the, I used to be. Um, I've, I've literally had accounts with every bank you can think of. I can't think of a bank I haven't had one. And I can't think of a bank that hasn't screwed me, put it that way, they all have. Uh, but I was with this, uh, the Kaish Altea Bank at one time, which was an, an Altea bank. Uh, and it's, all its branches were in, within a stone's throw of Altea, say within about a 10-mile radius. And I don't know, I'd have guessed they probably had about seven branches. Couldn't think they had any more than that. And I banked with them for years because they were, they were really, really good. They were really, really had, they got personal attention. Uh, on really good conditions, very friendly, very happy, until the day they got to, took over by a bigger, bigger bank. Not much bigger, but a bank called Cajamuthia. Uh, and at that point, that, that, the day they got took over, I got screwed for about €3,500 in one of my accounts, which I'm still fighting now, to be honest with you. Still fighting now. Yeah. Uh, but I've got no chance of getting it. You, you, you're never going to beat a bank. So it's very worrying um, when you hear that Basically, what we're talking about is the disappearance of small banks. And eventually you will have a world bank. And then we're all in the ship. What do you think of uh, the movement towards a cashless society? What do you think really going on? Well, on the one hand, <laughs> on the one hand, you can see why every government wants it. It gives them total control. But on the other hand, that means there is no black economy. And there's not a country in this world that can exist without a black economy. Has to, a black economy has to exist if it's only to put the money into the brown envelopes that have traditionally been paid out to every single official in the Spanish government and military, certainly under Franco and after him, going up, certainly up into uh, about three four governments ago it was going on. Uh, a, a brown envelope, you received a brown envelope every month um, with goodies inside according to your, your rank and position. And, and that was that. So I don't know how they're going to get around that one. Um, previous government um, squealed away millions and millions into uh, Swiss bank accounts, which they thought then would be... Um, I'm just going to spray some mosquitoes. They thought, they thought then was going to be uh, safe 
safe, uh, safely squirreled away because it wasn't, because the, the treasurer of the uh, the Conservative Party, idiot. Uh, there was an amnesty. <laughs> there was an amnesty. His own government formed an amnesty with the taxman. Um, we got the taxman to form an amnesty for all people with money offshore. But if they declared it, they would pay a flat 10% tax, and that was the end of it. So he did. He, de- he declared part of the money that he squirreled away for the Conservative Party into Swiss bank accounts and declared it and paid this 10% tax. And then somebody said, well, have you got any more money? <laughs> squirreled away there. Of course, they did the search, and there was millions and millions and millions. And then he went to jail for it. He, he took he took one for the team, but they didn't. You know, the 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 the, the prime minister carried on, uh, all his all his cabinet carried on, um, but, but he, he took it he took it on the chin. No doubt, he's going to handsomely paid for it. But uh, yeah, Catholic society. Yeah, that's what they're after. Vince. That's what they're after. Listen, in the end, you won't have a card. You'll have a chip. There'll be a chip in your under your skin or something on your hand or whatever. And you on that will be everything. Big brother is here, pal. Big yeah. brother is here. Well, you know me. I've suspected these things. Uh, I think there's more to everything. I think the dots all join up, and I'm pr- pretty sure that um, it's coming to pass things that I've suspected for a long, long time. I don't want to be right because basically it's not what I particularly. No, but the youngsters, the youngsters of today, embrace it. I think it's. It, I hit. I see complaints on Facebook. The people in Benidorm, and they they can't use their card to buy a pint of beer. What's going on? You know, I can't use the card. They want cash. You know, it's I don't know. I don't, the world's not the same place that I was brought up in. I'll tell you. Yeah. What did you make of this um, horrible situation with the nurse and killing the the babies in the UK in Chester? Um, any thoughts on that one? Obviously disgusting. And uh, apparently, hopefully, they're going to go um, redo, uh, retry her. So I think there's another six or seven that she was judged not guilty of killing. Uh, so hopefully they're going to open up those and kill it. But what, more important, um, may she rot in hell. And I hope she gets a really bad sign. I'll tell you, I'll keep her in there for 20 years. And after 20 years, I'll put a rope in her cell. There you go, love. You're still in there, love, but there's the rope. You can take an easy way out. Because I don't see why we should all pay for you to be here anymore. But the biggest crime of all was committed by the management of the of the of the hospital, and there there go the rest of us because this is a small window on what's happening in in Britain and other countries where the bean counters all they were interested in was not causing a scandal, and yeah, there was normally two deaths, and now we've got twelve. That's that's what don't 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 make waves, don't make waves. Just 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 keep it going. They're not worried about people and bodies. They're not worried that people are lying in, in corridors, bleeding to death because there's, there's no staff, there's no room to put them. They're bean counters, being paid absolute fortunes. And this goes across the whole of governments and industry now. Bean counters. The bean counters have taken over the world, which goes hand in hand with the fact that the banks are taking over banks uh, and they want to cash this society. But very quickly, they can just join the two ends together and we're completely screwed. I don't know if you caught it as well. There was uh, somebody in the States who was busy trying to say that she only got away with it because she was a white nurse. I, I really find that, you know, when people are trying to link their political... They'll always do that. Some will always play the race card, you know that. They'll always, what, if, what if it was a black one? It'd be even worse. If she was a black nurse, it'd be, it'd be even worse. 
Some will always play the race card. I'm just waiting, and it's not happened yet, for somebody to go, oh, no, it has. I read the other day. There was a group of her best friends who said this is all lies, that she could never have done that. She was a wonderful, wonderful girl. She could never have, never have committed these crimes. It's, she's completely innocent of all. This was half a dozen of her mates. So she's a really good Svengali sort of uh, critter, isn't she? Yeah. Um, you know, bring back the death penalty, to be honest with you. Well, what, what is really worrying is just how naive are the people growing up? I mean, they can't really seem totally. to see the obvious. Um, totally. You know, That's I, the worry. I, it's, <laughs> it's naivety and apathy that's going to kill us. Yeah. So listen, we're too old now. It doesn't make a difference to us. Yeah. But the, the, the youngsters, uh, by their own apathy and naivety, are just falling into the hands of, of the bean counters and the, and the controlling elements, a handful of controlling elements that, uh, that run this world because we let them. Yeah. We let them. It's the same percentage that the small amounts of Nazis can, can kill 8 million Jews in concentration camps. On the face of the thing, why don't the 8 million Jews rise up and... Because they don't. They can't. They, they, they're, they're conditioned, and, and the people all around them are hoodwinked to believe that this is right and this is the way forward. Uh, and, oh, God-awful, God, God forbid that ever happens again. Though it is happening in other countries in smaller yeah. ways. So Saudi are doing it in a small way. Uh, out there, it's... it's uh, I'm not so Saudi, there's some of the... Some of the Emirate countries grew that way. Okay, uh, are operating a similar system of uh, regicide. We've got uh, two minutes left, so I'm going to lighten it by looking at the World Athletic Championships. And oh. have you been watching them? Yes, I have. Yeah, when I can. And in particular, last night, I thought it was rather good to see yeah, the. Yeah, I was looking forward to that because that Norwegian guy, he's quite a bandstander, isn't he? Yeah, he's quite a bandstander because he knows he's good, and he got as we. We used to say he got hoisted by his own petard. He did. Uh, yeah, the runner psyched him out. He, he, he was. You listened to him. Um, Kurt, was it Kurt? You Bet. listened to him. The the, the winner who yeah. won the race. He uh, just searched little the way he was breathing and, and exerting and, and 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 the way he was running the race. In other words, it was a psychological battle that the British guy won. Uh, and good luck to him. Good luck because this guy was obviously thinking. Like, all he was thinking of, I think, how am I going to bandstand on the last corner because. He's got a habit of, of giving it the big one on the last bend before yeah. the straight to the final line of giving giving the big one to the crowd as he goes around the corner. So I think he was, he was trying to work out or work out how to do his uh, his bit of bandstanding, and uh, whoosh, the British guy went straight through him. And a reminder British. that the British guy was only on number two because number one is injured, <laughs> and he was the yeah. he beat him on the same sort of stuff beat, last time as well. Exactly. Yeah, and I think, yeah, he's obviously giving the tips as to what to look for. Uh, so just go to show, yeah, you need the strength and the power, but you also need the, ben- the mental ability to, to win these things, the determination. Absolutely, and uh, I've got to say, I-, I really do enjoy watching the athletics because um, when you've got, well, I mean, we'll come into the teams when we go to the um, relays, but when you've got these individual events and you can see... The, yeah. the dedication and the training and, you know, the, the, years the discipline. And years of daily exercise and, and diet and, and regime for, for that, you know, might be might be 10 seconds on the track, 10 seconds in an 100-metre sprint. Well, we, we, it all boils down to that. Uh, and the, the, really is the, the psychological strength they have. That's why I was amazed, actually, that KJT, she won the... Yeah, because I thought she didn't have the right body language. So it looked like she was losing it a bit. 
but bless her, bless her cotton socks. Wonderful. She won it. Okay, Terry, uh, we, we we should hopefully see a medal with the 200-metre uh, runner as well for the UK. Um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and Spain get a few medals as well, so can't be bad. Terry, that's just about it for this week. Thank you very much indeed for your company, and we look forward to next week. And you, Vince. Hasta, hasta luego. Hasta luego. Hasta luego.